On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. Dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is World Cafe. I'm Raina Duris. When you think of Mormons and music, you might think of the Tabernacle Choir. Or rock bands singing about Jesus. Or maybe you think of the Broadway musical, The Book of Mormon. Hello, my name is Elder Price, and I would like to share with you the most amazing book. Chances are you don't think of hip-hop. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who make up a significant part of the population in Provo, Utah, haven't embraced hip-hop at anywhere near the scale of the rest of the country. To many people, being an open follower of Mormonism and making a career as a hip-hop artist just doesn't really seem to go together. And for a while, James Curran was out to change that. And for a moment, about a decade ago, he did. One of the first times when I like released a song is James the Mormon, now JTM. I wrote about, you know, the restoration of the gospel, which is a, a, a very, you know, personal and important story to me, which connects to, you know, my faith. And I think it started with that. Let me tell you about my homie, he was 14 He been searching truth like forever Having more dreams And he couldn't settle for the basics of the core thing Yeah, my dude just had a feeling no more thing Yeah, my boy had concerns like a thousand He been climbing hope for a minute, no mountain And they all different that I can't stop counting Whole town thought he crazy need counseling and then We're at the Provo home of music producer Chance Lewis, a.k.a. Chance Clift Chance met James back when he went by James the Mormon, and early on in their careers, the two made most of their music together here. He collaborated, James had collaborated with um, oh, yeah, one of the atheist. rappers in my group, yeah. Atheist, and it was kind of, I don't know, it was like a, not, not a gimmick, but it was like a fun uh, tagline, like, yeah. you know, Mormons and Atheists rapping yeah. together, like. That's true. Yeah. James is the son of a U.S. ambassador, and that meant his family moved around a lot when he was a kid. Music was one constant in his turbulent childhood, but it took him a little while to discover his love of hip-hop. Well, I was—so I, I went to middle school in, in Russia, but, like, I was, like, the only, like, black kid in my school. And I didn't, like, understand, like, black culture because I've been growing—I went to elementary school in China. I went—you know, I didn't really understand— black culture, but then we moved to uh, Mitchellville, Maryland. Like my high, whole high school was black and I saw BET for the first time. So I like saw other people that look like me, like making music and I fell in love with it. I, you know, I remember Ja Rule being pretty prominent then, Jay-Z, uh, Ludacris, things like that. And I don't know, I, I would just, they would be like, I'd be listening to their music, but as they were doing it, I was like making my own version of the the song of the with their beat in my head as they were doing it. Like I instantly. I appreciate that. H to the Izzo, V to the Izzane. For shizzle, my nizzle used to dribble down in VA. Was hurting them in the home of the turpins. Got it dirt cheap for them. Plus, if they were short with cheese, I would work with them. While his parents were encouraging him to follow the LDS church teachings as the family moved all over the world, the religion wasn't speaking to him. 
And it was kind of isolating. At one point when they were living in Uzbekistan, as far as James and his family knew, they were the only Mormons in the country. Like, I remember distinctly, like, just being, I, like, going to church one Sunday in Uzbekistan, or, like, not going to church, but we would go downstairs and, like, the three of us would meet. And I'm just like, I hate this. I hate church. Like, if I could never go again, I would... And yet, years later, James found himself enrolled at Brigham Young University, the educational institution in Provo, Utah, that is sponsored by the LDS Church. But he was struggling. He'd been expelled twice. Life wasn't going so great. And then something happened. Yeah, so I was um, uh, coming home from a party on Christmas Eve, and I was, um, like, drunk, and I was high, and I was driving home, and I... Thought was fine, but then, you know, you see the lights and I got pulled over by a cop and I, I, you know, I thought my life was like done at that point. The cop came over to the window and asked James if he'd been drinking. And I lied to him and I'm like, no, I was just at a party. He takes my license registration, goes back to his car. And when he comes back, he just said he was like, you know, I have no idea why I'm doing this, but you know, drive home right now. Like, for me, at least, like, I cannot explain that other than God getting involved. And I, it was kind of a pivotal moment where I was like, all right, like, I'll make some changes and kind of attempt to hand my life over to God. And he did. James decided to make a big commitment to the LDS church. He decided to spread the church gospel to go on a mission. I started in Russia, and then I came home for seven months, graduated college, and then I finished Russian speaking in Washington. Going on the mission strengthened his belief in the church. I was 23, so it was a little different for me to explain like what it's like for an LDS. Most kids, it was then 19, but now it's 18. You just turn that age and you go out um, because that's kind of what's expected. There's not really like necessarily like a testimony or a thing. It's just kind of like that's what's expected. And some people develop a testimony. Some people don't or well, I'm not sure. But um, for me, I gained my testimony and my conviction on the mission. As I was out there, I was like, oh, I really believe this. When James came back home, he knew he wanted to continue his mission, but in a very different way. And my vision was that if I went by James the Mormon and made secular music, that people would enjoy it, that, that listen to rap. And I would assume we're not members of our church. And then like missionaries would come by and they'd be like, oh, I'm a fan of James the Mormon. That's the Book of Mormon. Oh, like, sure, I'll read it, you know, type of thing. Um, so I was like envisioning this, like where I would do my part by somehow making rap music. Like, not like when you listen to like Christian rap, you know what I mean? Where it's like very obvious they're talking about Christ or they're talking about things like that, where I just wanted to make like music I wanted to make and happened to be openly LDS. His alma mater, BYU, played a part as James started to launch his career. His song, Dreaming, grabbed national attention thanks to one of the school's football games. I think it got on ESPN and and I think that's kind of where I was like, okay, look, maybe I like really release stuff. And because um, BYU was like having a good year for a little bit that year. And that's sort of how yeah. you got the traction. That's why it was played on ESPN, because it was like, it was a thing, like there was all this momentum. Just keep dreaming, dreaming. 
uh, he the man, he the miracle Too sick cause his arm's incurable Straight terminal, this pivotal Climb high but we aim for the pinnacle Yeah, got the eagle buzz Finna come on the run like a diesel truck So, so clutch, got that lethal luck So we say a little prayer like Aretha does Yeah, and then we made like Telling You Why Which was like yeah, just another big BYU anthem, anthemic song. So, yeah, BYU has been like a big part of it as well. Um, I mean, I, I was a BYU fan. You know what I mean? Like I'm a BYU. I'm still like I'm a Cougar till I die. You know, like I'm a BYU fan. So it's not. It just was like part of who I am. I like the Cougs. I'm telling you what. From there, things got even bigger for James when he released the song Motivation. The community rallied behind the track and it hit number one on iTunes and charted on Billboard. I'm not gonna lie, like that was like one of the coolest days of my life to like hit the charts and have that happening. It was unbelievable. I didn't know who was buying my music. I didn't know who was listening to it. I just was like, this is happening and it's beautiful and I can't believe it. I've been motivated for a minute now If you want it, go get it, don't let them bring you down They said you're sleeping, but we don't listen to word of mouth Take care of business and family, that's what we dream about This is what I'm talking about, grinding till the lights go out All I do is work, work, work until I reach the finish line Motivation pushing me through hard times Do it for the fan, bottom line, all you need is motivation Big things were happening but he started to realize that choosing the name James the Mormon had put him in a box. I've had at least four or five different opportunities with labels and like, you know, bigger opportunities that have been passed on because they didn't know what to do with James the Mormon. Like Sony Music in the very beginning, we had, um, there's like a label called 300 that um, several rappers are on that we've got to like the very end of interviews. There's like, um, I forget the name of the label, but Nas owns it. We were in discussions and we always got to like, the numbers spoke for themselves at the, for the time. And then we got to like the final decision. They always passed. The name also impacted his relationship with his fans in a way he wasn't expecting. I don't know. I started to just feel like the, the people that are LDS, there's a spectrum, I feel like, of like where you identify as far as like, you know, there's people who are like super, let's call them like right wing, you know, in believing where you're like very orthodox and you kind of go a little too far. And then, you know, you start to hit the middle, which is probably where the most healthy. And then, you know, there's also like people who are like culturally there. Like that's kind of the spectrum and there's people all over it. Um, and I think, you know, I wanted to reach people who weren't even LDS, but the people that were the biggest fans were just saw the name Mormon and said, I'm, you know, you're my guide no matter what, and had some real expectations for me as far as like how I lived my life and how I believed or what I felt politically or, you know, things like that. And, and then I'm fighting with my own fans because I'm, I'm like, they're like, wait, you're, we think you're supposed to be this. And, and I'm like, well, I'm not, you know what I mean? And then they're like, well, then I don't want to be your fan. And then it's just like, now I have fans, I have contention from, cause I'm not representing what they think I should be representing. And then I'm not reaching the people I want to. And, I'm, and it's just like, it became a mess. 
Part of the reason the expectations may have been so high for James was that there really wasn't anyone else doing what he was doing at the level that he was doing it. Not only was he reaching a hardcore Mormon audience instead of a secular one, he was also picking up a lot of fans who didn't really listen to rap. Here's Chance again. James was trying to convert rap fans to Mormonism, but he ended up converting Mormons to rap in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. like and, and also when, 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 I mean, as a, as a rapper in Utah, I get this all the time too. Like, oh, I don't normally listen to rap, but I like you. It, it sets up like they don't really know the, the context for a lot of like rap music. And so it, I don't know, it was, it was hard to, uh, uh, I don't want to speak for James, but yeah, like a, a lot of the fans like enjoyed the music, but didn't necessarily like know the, the, the background of rap music. It's like making steak, but like for vegans, you know what I mean? You're, you're just like, you're like, this is not for you. They're like, I don't eat steak, but like, I'll eat your steak. The fans weren't all bad, but things were like an overcooked steak. Tough, especially online where a name like James the Mormon puts you in a tricky position. The way that the internet works, like genuinely, I think I am like cursed forever. I, I would have to completely restart over. Um, I, the algorithm is like, like if you go to my Spotify right now and start going through like artists, you will hit the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And I did at, not know for, like, that. Similar, yeah, That's like so similar. Artists. So the basically the algorithm of the internet is no, just show it to Mormons. Just show it to people who are really Mormon and like listening to this. So like I can't break out of it because the internet's so strong, and it's just it's just like unfortunate because like ninety five percent of my music is just regular secular music, and it's not being shown to anyone that can find me, um, and that's kind of like my curse for choosing to be James the Mormon, which is kind of why I have this ongoing negative feeling about my decision. Right, this is I did this to myself my decision to call myself James the Mormon, that I it just like completely back, my goals with producing music completely backfired. James tried to break the curse of his name by changing it a few times. At one point, James thought maybe leaving Utah was the answer. But maybe the hardest thing was that all of the online trolling and high expectations from fans made the church feel like an unsafe space for him. You know, all these comments and messages of people who had these like negative things to say because of I wasn't representing the church the way they wanted. And I'm like, well, these are the members of my church. You know what I mean? Like the interesting thing is like in 2018, 19, like I wanted to leave the church. Like I wanted to like, I'm like, get me out of here. Like, I don't like, I just was like, I need to leave this community. But, um, and I did everything I could to like unbelieve what I believed. Like I read anti stuff. I like looked at all the YouTube videos, but I I cannot I cannot unbelieve what I, I truly just believe it, and I believe it like to my core. James didn't leave the church, and he didn't leave Utah, but he did move out of Provo, the city where he first launched his career as James the Mormon. He found a congregation that he loves, where he does feel safe and where he has a little breathing room from the more fundamentalist side of things. The fact that you moved to Salt Lake probably helped too, because like, oh, yeah. you know, 
everyone associates Salt Lake with being sort of like the epicenter of Mormonism, but people in Utah know that it's really down here is like kind of the more like hardcore, like extreme. Yeah, it was just, you know, I could go to the grocery store and not get recognized. I could, you know, I'm when I'm in Salt Lake, I don't think anyone's LDS. And you wouldn't necessarily know that James is either. Instead of James the Mormon, he now goes by the moniker JTM. In 2020, there was a bunch of uh, sinks that we got in 2021 where, you know, Best Buy and Monster Energy and the MLB and FIFA were taking my music and putting them in their commercials. And I was like, maybe I keep making music. You know, <laughs> like, and not necessarily like to, no, yeah. to like, you know, be this big artist, but I was like, hey, there's something here. I like doing it. You know, why don't I keep making stuff? It's, you know, there's some monetization coming from it. And um, there was a Burger King ad that had uh, BRB in it. Um, and um, yeah, Chance actually, he made the beat. And yeah, we recorded it here. Watch try when I'm winning, got five on the bet. Watch me put this thing in rotation. Boy, I got a feeling you colluding. I'm a pop back on it. Been real 17 on probation. I set the tone for your fam. Got worse repercussion out here. Me and Jay been wildin'. And they gave me two number ones, and I still ain't done. Only thing you push go been mileage. They wanna ask for toast before the casket close. Ain't easy, but I get it all day. Uh, Keenan Kel type flow, cause I've been all that. I'm under pressure, but your boy won't break. Your boy supreme, you as a master, please step back, baby, something I'm proving. Don't matter where I end up, cause you'll always look up. It's a game and I promise you lose. Besides getting music at ads, James has been releasing singles every month or two. It's gone back to what it was before there was anything. It's just, like, I don't care who, like, I'm just going to release it. And, like, if 10 people listen to it or 10,000, whatever. I'm just, I made it, it's out there. My heart is beating, them palpitations. I barely made it through operations. My love is constant, your love the vaguest. Want you for ages, but mama, you in Vegas. I know it don't impress you that I'm making moves. I'm taking shots, scoring Lakers 82. I pay my dues, don't make me choose. Ain't breaking news, you play the fool. So hello, mama, let me hear you with the sunshine. That's the song called Sunshine, a recent single from JTM featuring Kodis. Thanks again to JTM. That's James Curran, and to Chance Clift for this Sense of Place Provo session. I'm Raina Duras, back in a moment with more World Cafe. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch, and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world, and that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. 
I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. 